In this first series of The Recruiter Room, we're going to be exploring the extraordinary world of entrepreneurship. I'm going to be joined by recruitment business leaders, founders, directors and industry champions diving deep into their intriguing worlds, learning to understand what business ownership really means to them. We'll hear about how they've overcome career challenges and setbacks and celebrate what they've achieved. Personally, I'm fascinated by the many different faces, incredible personalities and often controversial opinions our industry has to offer. And I'm delighted to present this series of discussions, which I hope will enlighten some established business owners and at the same time provide a useful insight for many aspiring entrepreneurs. Today I'm joined by Robert Kenward. Robert is the Director, Co-Founder and Chief Talent Officer at Usearch and Select. Based in Brighton, this independent recruitment business works exclusively within the live event uh, and integrated communication sector. It's their three-year anniversary, so we spoke about the build-up to, to launching the business, how the business has developed, some real challenges he's faced and some passing advice to any budding recruitment entrepreneurs who are thinking about setting up on their own. I had a really good chat with Robert and I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. Hi Ash. Robert, hi, how are you doing? I'm good, I'm good. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you fine. Welcome to the recruiter room. Ah, thank you for having me. Thank you for the invite. Are you well, sir? No, I'm dying of head cold, uh, child-related nursery illness. You know what? And everything else. It probably makes two of us because I'm uh, slightly under the weather today. So uh, this is going to be a great one, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Listen, um, I was just thinking before, um, just before we we, we started this, um, that it's been a special time of year for you around now, hasn't it? Have you recently had an anniversary? Uh, yes, we have. We Work have anniversary. Been... Yeah, no, no, I got that. Yeah, uh, three years. Yeah, we're just getting into our fourth year now. So, the business has been going three years. Um, although, to be honest, with my sort of forecasting, I, year one mm. rather than a year one turned into um, just get to year two with a roof over my head and my uh, senses intact. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, officially, we're three years old. <laughs> Three years old, yeah. And I, what prompted I, that prompted me to look at back in my diary, and it was the twenty seventh of January, twenty sixteen, when we first met. There you go. That, that was Euston, wasn't it, or someone like it, that? Oh, it was indeed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There Good you memory. go. Most <laughs> nervous I've ever been in my life. <laughs> really? I'm not that scary, am I? Um, no, I, th- I think it was because of where I was at the time, career-wise. Yeah. I could see the benefit of you guys, and sort of you get a bit tunnel vision, and it was like, well, what if this doesn't work? <laughs> what am I going to do next? No, I, I get, I, I know exactly what you mean, and and that that's quite an interesting point actually, because um, when I when I'm meeting recruiters, you know, they've got a lot on their mind. It's a big decision. It's it's a life changing decision for them. Um, and you know they're often nervous and anxious about a few things. What, what out, out of interest, what, what concerns did you have? Um, I suppose the key one was still the you know, am I doing the right thing? It's all very people talk about their own business, very glamorous. Um, you know, that sort of idea of a, a lifestyle business. Although people seem to be afraid to say the words lifestyle business, which I find incredible. But I think it was, you know, I, I thought I had a product. I, I thought I had a point of difference you know and then really it was that being in front of a professional who sees recruiters all the time I suppose you're looking for that um 
not credibility you're looking for that sort of yes you're correct you know you, you this yeah. is right this will work so it was more nervous around okay i obviously had a plan b c and all the way down to about l um but they were rubbish um so it was okay if this doesn't work i need to go to my plan b and c which you know didn't really want to go to so you search and select what for the benefit of the listeners um what sectors and markets um do you work in and just tell me a little bit about the business model so we work uh, exclusively in the live events, uh, experiential marketing and digital communication sort of integrated. So um, agencies that work with brands or brand campaigns, uh, B2C, B2B and live event work. We work specifically with senior level, um, I suppose, sort of leaders, managers, strategies, directors, C-suite um, on we're a retained model only. So we work basically on a project basis. So I will write the job description for the client. I will write the candidate profile notes for the candidate. And I actually do, oh, as well as, you know, psychometric testing and behavioral profiling. And also mm. we will do the first stage interview. And it just sort of negates the whole chuck a CV, chuck a candidate into a meeting and hope it works out well. And then, and then be surprised when it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. That's that's a lot of work, isn't it? But I, I, I think that at the level that you're recruiting at, you need to not just add value, you need to go the extra the extra mile, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's one of my favourite phrases, and I've always said it, is, you know, recruitment isn't hard. It's very easy to do it poorly, but it's just, it's hard work. Um, yeah. And a lot of my work, you know, when you're dealing with senior candidates, if you honestly want to get to know a senior candidate, You've got to speak to them at evenings and weekends. You've got to spend, I worked out the other day, I think I spend on average, I think it's in like three hours, three to four hours on phone calls, emails, Skype sessions before a candidate will even get in front of the client. And that, you know, that's, that's where you get. And if you look, uh, I've had something like eight testimonials in February alone, and we're in the 19th from candidates saying wow. this feels, you know, this actually is, what recruitment should be like and you know me ash i haven't got yeah. i don't have recruitment 3.0 the answer i'm not i don't have a magic ball that says this is what recruitment should be i just do it really bloody properly well, and unfortunately not yeah, a lot of people I want mean, to do that anymore. who has who has got a magic ball you know we we all know it's um you know it's it's it's, it's a tough gig isn't it um so what you're doing now correct me if i'm wrong was that always the mission from 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 the outset <laughs> No. <laughs> Tell us no, about it wasn't. Then. So I so I worked in in the, the area I specialise in for sort of six six and a half years, mm. and I was a high street recruiter for ten years before that. W ended up working sort of national sales, you know, like large on site operations. Yeah. So I went into the recruitment side, thinking right, I know what to do. It's got to be permanent. We created fitability, and you know you, you understand what fitability is all about, and that, that's yeah. been that's been very positive. Um, but the mistake I made was trying to focus on a type of position. So I looked at operational and business development across all sectors, um, which <laughs> led me to the murky world of rec to rec initially. Which God, that was awful. Um, and then I, it took me a good six to nine months before I realised that I was chasing my tail around all these different sectors i met so many i met something like 100 people in my first year um so about 40 50 people in sort of six months where 
everything that they were talking about, so everything I was going through, they loved, but actually where I was falling down was you as a person, what's your credibility? What's your background? What's your story? And it, it took a few meetings of having the aha moment in the event sector with people saying, well, why why are you not focused on events only? You know, you, I was a director level, senior exec level for six and a half years. Why aren't you just a niche recruiter? <laughs> I remember coming home on the train for about the fourth time thinking, right, something, <laughs> something up. And, and Laura, who for people that don't know, Laura's my sort of account manager or now the MD, if I remember correctly. Congrats. Yeah. Um, we had a conversation where I just said, look, I don't feel it's working. It's not, you know, we were billing, we were getting by, um, but, it, it wasn't what I wanted it to be. So we had a, quite an open conversation where I said, look, I'm changing it. I need to, the website's all going to change. Clatter is going to change the strategy, the social, everything. And you guys are very supportive of that. Mm-hmm. Big shout out to my friend, Christian Bannister. Love you, Christian. Big love. <laughs> um, Christian's obviously the guy that works at SSG, who I harass on a regular basis. Um, <laughs> and yeah, we sort of went into the event. And to be honest, it took me another three or four months to sort of hone it into okay, what is my offering? And then once we rent retained only with a product that is different out there and also small sales, you know, I do a six months, hundred percent rebate. You know, I'm not afraid of that. I, I offer that because I do it differently and better. And then since then, yeah, it's gone. Well, you've seen our numbers. I've been very proud of where we've got to in three years. So yeah, I'm very pleased. It should be. Yeah. The hundred percent rebate out of interest, does it work for you? Which I've never had to give it back. Well, that's the one that's <laughs> so, working for you then, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose. From a, yeah. from a, from a Jill in accounts and Laura background, yeah. yeah, it's working fine. But no, I think what it does is, you know, let's be honest, it's a hook initially. Mm. You know, I'm not going to hide behind that. It is a hook. But it also shows that I substantiate my service. So I talk about fitability, which is about recruiting for cultural fit and recruiting for you know, giving information to make decisions, which is what I do. Um, and then you see all these terms of business of four weeks, it goes to 75 and then eight weeks, 50. And I just, when I was client side, having agencies, that to me is just a recruiter sort of covering their own ass, preparing to fail. You know, yeah. so how can you then justify saying you've got a USP or you disrupt the industry when what you're doing is saying, well, actually, just in case it does go wrong, uh, which I think it might do because I'm going to give you this terrible rebate. I and because the role, the reason it's six months is because the roles I work on are obviously six months notice because they're senior. I just sort of we had a conversation. I said, look, why, why, why wouldn't I do it? You know, it's my whole hook is I am doing it for you. It's almost like outsource recruitment, I suppose. So, yeah, no, it's worked very well. Fitability. I, I remember when you first started talking to me about that. On the twenty seventh of January, twenty sixteen, you already had it in your head, which which is great. Yeah. I, I think it's I think it's fantastic for the benefit of um, the guys listening. Just can you just give a, an overview of the process that you go through and how it fits in and what you actually do? Well, first things first, I've trademarked the word, so you owe me a penny for using it without uh, agreement. It's in the past, Robert. Um, uh, so it's two things: fitability is recruiting for cultural fit, so not culture. Cultural fit to me is not recruiting a drone, but recruiting somebody that's going to add value to the business, but also their career and personal aspirations match where the business is going. So it's not about filling the hole. It's what do we need for the future? Mm. Fitability for a hiring and a procurement level is minimizing risk. 
So if I'm doing the interview and transcribing the interview, if I'm doing behavioural and assessments and profiling and I'm doing all the front end, that minimises the, the mistakes that are made in hiring. So mm. actually it's giving them information. You know, when the candidate's not in the room and everyone's going, well, who do you think? Yeah. My candidates have, well, let's look at candidates A's, you know, interview, profile and professional overview. And we can make decisions on that rather than, oh, I got on really well with them. And that horrible, you know, your gut is an important decision making tool. But if I asked you, you know, would you risk 60, 70, 80,000 pounds of your own money on a gut feel? You'd say, no, of course, of course you would. So, so why do people do it when they recruit on behalf of other people? It's insane. So fitability is cultural fit and minimizing risk and giving information to make that informed decision. It's really interesting. Thanks, thanks for that. One one question I've got, Robert. Um, depending on a lot of our clients network in different ways, and a lot of recruiters network in different ways. Depending on the sector, the market, etc. How do you network, and, and what do you think gets the best results for you? So, in my specific sector, I have very much focused on being. So we're called event professionals, event profs or experiential profs. You know, there's that whole hashtag in the whole community. So I'm marketed as an event professional who recruits. So rather than a recruiter for the sector, I've sort of gone out as, you know, I've done a lot of um, keynotes. I've done a lot of moderating. I've done a lot of work with universities. I've done a lot of work with graduate um, startup, you know, helping people with their careers, with ideas, with recruiting better. You know, I'm quite open on places like LinkedIn and my social channels with here's ways of recruiting better because, you know, mm. I want I want recruitment to be that professional added value it was rather than the transactional shitstorm it's become, unfortunately. Um, so I very much spend a lot of time at networking events and events where I'm speaking or moderating that are all around the sector. So instead of going to these things as a recruiter, I'm there as an event professional who does recruitment. So, you know, my database is full of people that have approached me after saying, you know, I hear you only deal with career roles. I'm here if, if something pops up. Yeah. And clients that come to me once roles. So I'm not your usual spec recruiter. I only am engaged in an assignment when a client has signed off budget, obviously, because, you know, it's, it's a lot of money and there's a reason for it. Yeah. So, yeah, it's worked well. It's hard. It's a really long way of doing it. Um, but, I'm, you know, I've always planned with this to do it for the long term and do it properly. And yeah. I'm hoping, you know, it's it's working and will work. <laughs> well, you've you got to do what works for you, haven't you, um, at the end of the day? Is, is working for yourself different from what you thought it might be? Or is it better God, yeah. or worse? Different. Yeah. Two things, really. I think... I keep saying to myself, I'm going to write a book, Ash. Really? Um, not not a book on setting up a business, but... No, I... God, no one would read that. <laughs> I would like to set... I'd like to write a book on the sort of emotional side of setting up a business. So preparing people for how to deal with it. Because like the biggest thing for me, without going off on a tangent and being all soppy, the loneliness of going from an office of 130 people and travelling the world twice a month and suddenly you are you yourself and I mm. um, it's, you know, it's, it's murder. It's absolute, you know, you, there's no one there to, to lean on, to have a chat with about something and you get a big win or you get, you know, an interview gets accepted or, you know, all the little things that we, we do the business for. Mm. 
And, you know, it's me, myself and I, and I, I made the conscious decision. I'm not, I don't want to scale the business. You know, I'm, I'm making the amount of money that I thought I, well, I'm ahead of where I thought I would be after three years, but I've got my sort of five year target and I mm. don't want to be a millionaire. You know, I don't want to run teams again. I've spent 22 years spending my life dealing with other people's shit Um and I know that sounds terrible. I was called, a, what was I called? An inspirational leader. But, uh, and I took that on board. Um, and when you hear people talk about what's that 80% of your time is spent with 20% of your staff, you know, I just mm. don't want to do that anymore. So for me, the business is around, you know, I look after my son on a Monday and then I'm in the office from four o'clock to about nine o'clock at night. Mm. Um, I play golf on a Wednesday morning with a group of friends. And then again, I'm, I'm in the office from two through to about nine o'clock on a Wednesday. I do Saturday mornings because obviously, again, that's another good time to speak with candidates. But that means on a Friday afternoon, yeah, my wife and I will knock off at three, four o'clock and go and, you know, go to the beach with my son. I've got a, a new I've got a baby due in July, actually. So things like. Oh, congratulations. Be- Thank you. So things like, you know, being here in the morning for breakfast and then picking my son up from nursery whenever I want, you know, they are, that is stuff that no amount of money. And I don't care who says, well, pay me a million pound a year. You just, you're a fool if you value that higher than you do, you know, money, because, you know, as long as I don't have to worry about paying the rent and, you know, paying for this, that and the other, and I can have the odd holiday and save for the future, then, you know, you don't need to be a millionaire. For me, it's about, I love what I do. I have a real, if you look at the, the, the testimonials, you know, it gives me a lump in my throat. And these are all candidates that, of course, not all of them have got the job because otherwise, otherwise I would be a millionaire if everyone had done that. Yeah. Um, but these are, you know, people that have been on a shortlist and, or, I've, or I've even declined to put forward, but they've taken the time to say, look, I keep getting called a breath of fresh air, which I'm quite impressed with. Good for you. It seems like you've got it. You've got the right balance, which is which is often something that comes up when I'm speaking to recruiters who want to start their own business and everything like that. They're often looking for, for many, many things. And one of them might be a bit more of a lifestyle balance. And your, your week seems to me from what you've just told me quite structured, but also balanced and, and, yeah. and different from one from certainly different from, you know, if you were doing an, a normal nine to five in inverted commas, but you're managing your time differently effectively, aren't you? really yeah Um, i think i think that's probably that is probably the second thing that it took me i still struggle with it now to be honest but getting used to the fact that i used to be you know on the seven o'clock training to work when i used to live in london obviously we're in brighton now yeah you know i was in the office at eight i'd leave at six seven eight o'clock at night and getting used to the fact that i don't work nine to five you know that sort of guilt of why I've got nothing to do for an hour when actually you've got things to do, but later mm. on in the evening you're working for three hours, you know, mm. it's so, you know, you do like I've, I've been to the gym at lunchtime today, you know, I can go off to the gym, spend a good hour in the gym, you know, trying to get fit. And then I'm working tonight. You know, you, it takes a long time to get used to that. And I know it's an old hour, you know, that works smart or not. Yeah. You know, you do not anybody that is working 10, 12 hours a day working for, themselves is just working for somebody else because you've got your models wrong you should not be you know i've done it for 22 years you know doing the 40 50 60 hours a a week and traveling away and not seeing my son for two weeks at a time you know for 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 his bath Mm. 
And, uh, you know, I know it sounds a bit defeatist. I don't want to manage people anymore. I don't want to... Not at all. It's not for everyone, is it? And I'm also, you know, I'm not at all being facetious. Like, oh, look at me. My life's wonderful. But it's taken me three years. Three years of real... You know, it's been really hard, especially that first year. God, I can't tell you how many times I thought, you know... Yeah. I've made the biggest mistake of my life. (laughs) That's that's really interesting. What So so what I'd say to ask you around that is... what. What kept you going and what keeps you going through those through those <laughs> tough times? Well, the first Governance? thing that kept me going was I spent my whole house deposit keeping us going. So that, that <laughs> went in year one, obviously, because you don't, you know, you're not getting paid anywhere near the level you were. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, you know, it sounds corny, but your family, your friends are useless. Your friends are absolutely useless because all they think is you get up at midday, you play a bit of golf, you, you go to the, you know, they have no idea. They are useless. My friends, honestly, I love them and they're a great support network, but not for work. Just finding, a a mentor, bit, right? finding a mentor was the best thing I ever did. Um, and the other thing as well, actually, just on that is you realise that you can't use your family as your work colleagues. And that my wife and I had a very strange year where I was, you know, taking out the frustrations of, this, that, and the other on my wife, who isn't an employee of mine and isn't an employee of the company, as in, you know, I'm sure you guys have meetings where you can, you know, F and Jeff at each other, and then you all shake hands and go for a beer. That's just life. Whereas yeah. when, it, when it's your wife, it's a bit harder. <laughs> uh, or your four-year-old son, you know, that, that's not the way of doing it. So, um, yeah, I dealt with it by, I got myself a mentor again. I hadn't had a mentor for a year, so I went out and found a mentor, and he's been Fantastic. Martin Ellis at RSE, just as a, as a shout out. God, I'm, I'm with the youth now. See, Ash, I'm youth, youthful again. Um, <laughs> but, you know, having someone there and having Laura there, you know, I remember Laura and you when I first met, you said the, the most successful businesses talk to us a lot. You know, mm. they let us know what's going on. Now, Laura will tell you that like, I don't stop talking, as you can probably tell from this podcast. But um, that's been really useful, having somebody there to just sort of look, you know, we had a legal, a legal problem that, you know, was, we were fine. Everything was fine about it, but I was just not used to it. And that's the sort of thing that can tip you over the edge as a, you know, independent and just having someone there to pick the phone up has been great. And having yeah. a mentor has been an absolute dream. That's been fantastic. You're an entrepreneurial guy, I reckon. Um, what, what key char- characteristics do you think makes a, an entrepreneur and a, and a business owner successful? Uh, oh God, I don't know. Well, I have got another business opening in a few months, so yeah, that's, oh, no, that's that. Yeah, it was. A, that's what I was <laughs> leading to. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think you do need a bit of pig-headed and stubbornness because there are a lot of people in the world that will tell you you're wrong. There are a lot of people that want to tell you it won't work, and those people are generally people that wish they'd thought of it or. Sometimes, you know, people that you've worked with, they don't want to see you having a really good life. I know that sounds terrible, but, you know, I, I read that. That's a really good phrase. If it was easy, everyone would do it. You yeah. know, so you've got to be a bit stubborn. You've got to be a big pig-headed. But you've also got to flex when, like, like we talked about the first year of the business, too many people had said to me, why aren't you in events? You know, you're the credibility here. You should do this. And you get to a point of, okay, actually, let me work out what it looks like. And then when we went retained, you know, I had a lot of people saying, you you know, retained, you know, there's this whole contingency versus retained and all that. But a yeah. lot of people saying, you know, retained is rubbish. No, no, I think I'm the only person I've ever come across in my sector that works retained. And that is a big thing to say to a client. 
give me a third of your money up front before I've even started work. You know, that's huge. Mm. But I knew it was the right thing to do, coupled with the whole, you know, 100% rebate for six months. Yeah. I knew it was right. I knew it would stand apart. And yeah, it has. You know, I've not had one client say, I, no, that's not true. I have had two people in three years say, I don't want to work with you because you only work with Tank. So I do tell a lie. I have two. Well, that's not bad, is it? You know, you can expect I'll, you can expect a couple, can't you? But that's a, it's a pretty powerful offering, isn't it? Well, interestingly enough, they were ex-recruiters now working talent sides. <laughs> <laughs> not like I'm casting aspersions at all. If, um, if any listeners are, say, you know, thinking about starting their own recruitment business now and they're kind of doing their research, they may be listening to podcasts, et cetera, et cetera, what would be the one piece of advice you'd probably give someone listening to this now if they're thinking about doing that? Uh, I'd give I'd give three pieces, sorry. Go on, one, then. Emotional, commercial, and business. The, the emotional thing is, you know, get yourself a mentor, get yourself a confidant, get, get yourself somebody that you can have a shout, scream, cuddle, cry with. Mm. That you can, you know, because it, it is, it's such a journey of you know the loneliness the despair the unhappiness you know obviously and then you get the the big up you get the big lifts but then who do you share yeah. those big lifts you know there's nobody to pop to the pub with you know after i used to work in camden with 130 people you know there was no excuse to go to the pub we we're all over there <laughs> so that's one piece of us the other piece is if you started thinking about it then you've obviously you've got a point of difference so don't don't put it off. Don't just sort of sit there, you know, talk to people about it. Um, and the third would be test and measure, you know, and I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm a proven advocate of where I didn't test and measure. Um, and I wish I'd have taken a bit more time to test and measure before I launched. Yeah. And although my wife tells me to be positive about it, I, in my head, I think, well, how far, how on the line could we be if I hadn't spent those nine months chasing my own tail and just went straight into but you know you have to learn but test and measure is is a key thing you know speak Paul and you know a bit of advertisement for you guys is you know you if there are people out there that can do it professionally and have a history of doing it then don't you know there's nothing wrong with I had a a bit of a a tete-a-tete with someone on LinkedIn a few months back because I'm a recruiter and he was being quite disparaging saying, yeah, but you know, you've, you've had to use SSG to set up what sort of entrepreneur are you? And I was thinking, I'm a clever one. I'm a clever, I've gone to a professional to help me do something that yes, I could do, but why would I not use a professional? And I even said to him, like a recruiter, (laughs) (laughs) it's like the point he was arguing, but yeah, you know, it's, it's been, it's been great. That's great, Robert. Thanks ever so much. Well, it seems to be working for you now. Um, and, um, you know, uh, I hope 2019's uh, a better better year than 2018 for you as well, which was a, which mm. a, I know was a great success for you. So, so well done. What's the weather and like it, from, and, uh, Brighton And today? SSG. <laughs> and SSG, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> what's, the, uh, what's the weather like in Brighton today? We have a lovely, it's eight degrees with the sunshine. So I've got some, I'm picking up my son in an hour from nursery, playing with him for an hour. And then I'm back in the office with interviews till actually half nine tonight. Bloody hell. Well, I'll let you get back to it, Robert. Thanks ever so much for joining me. Um, no worries. It's been great chatting to you again. And um, yeah, no doubt we'll chat soon. No worries. Thanks, Ash. All Good the to best. catch up. And you. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye. 
Thanks to Robert Kenward from You Search and Select. Um, I really enjoyed that chat and uh, especially some wise words at the end from, from Robert. So uh, thank you very much for joining me, Robert. Um, if you're a recruiter or, or a business owner, um, then get in touch and um, I'll be happy to have a chat with you. If you own a recruitment business and are looking for some uh, promotion and just want to chat about um, owning your own business, challenges that you've um, faced and what life is like as, a, as, as an entrepreneur, then get in touch and uh, I'd love to have you on the podcast. Until next time.